Welcome to another episode of the Boom Athletics High Performance Podcast. I am your host, Seth Boomsma. I am excited once again to bring you guys another episode of this podcast. This one is going to be extra special for me personally. This uh, athlete and coach was one of the first guys that I ever coached. Uh, His name is Caleb Franklin. He went to Midland University in Nebraska, and now he's running post-collegiately as a professional in track and field. Um, This will be an exciting podcast for you guys all to listen to. Caleb, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like as I said in the intro, when I started this podcast, I always wanted like high performers and uh, you're one of the first people that popped in my mind. So I had to get you on and uh, excited to have you on this podcast. So let's give our audience just kind of a quick background of who you are. Um, So just tell everyone about yourself, you know, what you're doing, what you studied in school and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, so Caleb Franklin, um, I am originally from Oakland, Nebraska. I went to high school at Oakland Craig and Takema Herman. Um, my first couple of years, I went to Takema Herman. Second half, I went back to my hometown in Oakland. Um, studied uh, human performance at Midland University, graduated in 2015. Um, uh, let's see here. And now today, today I'm here in Arnold, um, coaching, um, working full time, competing, um, just a bunch of different stuff now. Um, biggest thing with my career, um, I actually, um, I know I run, I run track and ran track in college now, but um, or college then. But my biggest thing was. When I was in high school, when I was a little kid, I never ran track. You know, I was obviously in a bunch of different sports as like a regular young athlete should be. But my biggest focus um, was uh, wrestling. You know, I grew up wrestling, grew up training with it, just traveling all over the country for it. Anything, anything that a normal elite athlete at the high school level would do to try and obviously become the best at that sport. I was doing it for wrestling. Um so I grew up doing that mostly, um, you know, ran cross country for a year, but that was, that was basically about it. My, my main focus was wrestling. Um, then, uh, got a scholarship at Midland actually to wrestle, um, made it a couple of years and just realized it wasn't really for me. You know, the coaching staff wasn't really where I wanted it to be. And so I stopped, um, and at the time, you know, at the time, it's kind of funny because I always told myself, because um, when I was in high school, you know, my ACT scores weren't where they needed to be. And um, so in order to get to like the D1 levels and wrestle where I wanted to be, I was kind of told, well, you're going to need to wrestle a year somewhere or a couple of years somewhere in order to get, you know, be able to go and wrestled D1 somewhere and I always wanted to wrestle for Nebraska and I had you know I had a couple talks with a couple people in that in that division 
And so what I did was I told him, okay, you know what? I'll sign with Midland. I'll wrestle for Midland for a year and then I'll go and transfer to Nebraska because I had a, I had a lot of buddies that were wrestling for him over there. So that was, that was my ultimate goal. Well, I get to Midland and I start wrestling and then I meet this girl, Julia. And so that was kind of the end of it there. But so I wrestled for a couple of years, like I said, stopped and, um, just because I wasn't feeling it anymore. And I didn't want to leave Midland because obviously I was with Julia. So, um, and, and just, uh, to hop in here, Julia is now your wife now. So yeah, she is my, so. she is my wife now. Yes, you're right. You're right. So it worked out. It worked out, but, um, a few months went, went around and I wasn't doing anything. I was just lifting like a, like a dumb gym bro would do when, when you're in college. And, you know, Julia was playing basketball at the time too. And then she finally, she finally comes up to me. She had made the switch to track herself. And she goes, you know, Kill, why, why don't you, why don't you join track? And I said, well, what in God's name am I going to do with track? You know, I had, I had never ran it before in my life. It's collegiate athletics. You know, I'm going to get rolled, you know? So I, I said, you know what, why not? So I went and I talked to the coach um, and just told him, just told him I was looking for something different, looking to keep me out of trouble, basically. So um, he told me, you know what? Yeah, come on in. We'll, we'll see what we can do with you. Um, at first, I was going to run distance because, you know, I was a college wrestler. You know, that's basically all I did to go lose weight. I go run three miles and be done, you know. Um, but then one day, uh, one of my buddies, uh, Coop, his name was Coop. Um, we were playing around. We were getting in the blocks. And they were, they were running, they were all doing their block starts that day. And I said, wow, that looks really cool. I kind of want to try that out. Um, and so I said, I think the sprint, gosh, I can't remember what the sprint's coach name. That's probably bad. Um, anyways, I was talking to, I was talking to one of the coaches and I said, Hey, can I jump in here? He goes, yeah, sure. Why not? They were all laughing at me. And so I get in the blocks, um, Never got in a set of blocks before in my life. So you can about imagine people laughing at me trying to get in, set my blocks up for any U track athletes there that know what that would be like. Um, I get in and he said, ready, set, go. And I bust out and I leave everybody. And this is something I'll never forget ever in my life. I leave everybody in the dust, you know, get out, terrible form, just chop, chop, choppy legs, getting out, just terrible form. But I beat everybody out. And then that's when I knew, I go, you know what? Maybe I should try sprinting. Maybe I should try this sprinting game out. And it just took off from there. You know, um, I was terrible. Oh, I was so terrible. You know, I think my first ever. Well, the first thing, the first thing I do want to say is I got so excited for competing after I started training sprints for a couple of weeks that I decided I wanted to go run that 60 at the UNL meet. First meet was at UNL. I went and ran, busted out of the blocks, and I tore my hamstring like 30 oh, wow. minutes in or 30 meters in. Yeah, blew my hamstring out. So I was out for the rest of the indoor season. Um, I got that fixed up. And then I think once outdoor season ran, I didn't run until like the fourth or fifth meet. And I think I ran like, I think I ran like an 11 9. It was terrible, you know, just total, just looking at what everybody else ran. 
you know, just going down the line. Like I think I think ten uh, three or ten four won that meet. I think it was the Wayne State meet. So you and there's some dome people there. And I think BJ Lawrence was was actually running. So I just remember watching that guy run. I go, wow, that's crazy. You know? Yeah, and I and wanna... for and for those that don't know, BJ Lawrence was Olympian for St. Kitts, and mm, yeah. he has a PR of ten one two. So he's no joke. You know, he's yeah, he, exactly. And that guy, that guy was obviously. Anytime you see him rolling around, you know who that guy is. Everybody, everybody would, everybody would talk about him. And so just kind of a guy I, when I first, when I first started running, just kind of looked up to just cause obviously I wanted to run that fast, but I just remember running that 11, nine. I go, man, it was kind of demoralizing because it's like, man, maybe this probably really isn't for me, but I'll stick it out just to see what it, you know, where it can take me. Um, but you know, I don't want to get into obviously a breakdown of, how I, how, how much faster I got, but three years later, I was able to, you know, bring in eight all conference finishes in sprinting 60 and a hundred. Um, I broke the school record in the 60. I don't have that school record in the 60 anymore, but I have the school record in the hundred now. Um, but just putting in all that tiny little bit of detail and hard work every single year, it was, ended up being something that you know, I truly loved more than I ever loved in the sport of wrestling because I put so much blood, sweat, and tears in, into that sport. A lot of people don't realize that I really did. It was it was the only thing I ever knew. And to, for me to switch to track, it was, it was pretty hard. But once I made that switch and I started putting the effort that I put into wrestling into track, from what I learned there, I got super, super successful with it, in, in my mind. Um, mm. And uh, it, it, it's grown to a to a point where I obviously enjoy the sport of track and field more than I ever did in wrestling, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. So go ahead. So, uh, how many state titles did you win in wrestling? Uh, I just won one actually. Just won one year. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what I want, want to get across here is this is a guy, this isn't an athlete who wasn't just a hobby wrestler. You know, he traveled everywhere for it. He was a state champion in the state of Nebraska, went to college for it, and he mentioned in there his ACT scores weren't where, weren't where he wanted, right? So he couldn't go to University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And that's one thing we talked about in our previous podcast with uh, my brother Brendan as he's uh, recruiting college or recruiting high school kids is one of the questions coaches always ask is where are your academics at? And that's why it's so important. You can be the best athlete in the world. You got to get the academics right in order to chase your goals at the highest level. But branching off from that, Caleb's a guy who battled some adversity, realized that maybe his first love in wrestling wasn't the direction he was going to take, put it towards track and field, went from an 11 9 to a 10 6 in three years. So it just goes to show you where that dedication can lead. Um, if you're willing to put in the time. So Caleb's now post-collegiate. I want to ask you, what, why did you decide to compete, continue to compete post-collegiate? Because we know the professional track and field world isn't as lucrative. It's, uh, it's often a grind. You mentioned you work full-time. You know, you're married. You still got to manage a social life. You got to manage all this stuff. So why did you want to continue? Well, I made such a huge progression you know, in those three years, I really, I just wanted to see where it could take me really. And, and, you know, I'm a competitor, you know, I wasn't really, I mean, post-collegiate, 
you know, you can be a semi pro or however you want to, however you want to call it. But, you know, I just want, I just wanted to compete. I wanted to keep competing. You know, I've only, I've only done track for so long. I mean, think of how long you've done it, Seth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, I feel like I'm still a baby in the sport, you know, I'm not ready for it to be done. I know I can take, I know I can take this even further. So, um, just, just being a competitor and and wanting and wanting to see where it can take me. Um, and you know, once I started, you know, once I started getting into that love of the sport and wanting to learn more and more about it and, um, competing, and running and running against the best it just it's kind of like a high for me now yeah like when i get in the blocks when i but i just it's it, it's kind of hard to explain unless you unless you're a sprinter and 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 you love to compete in athletics i mean you you know what i'm talking about it's 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 something that's kind of hard to get rid of it's kind of like a drug you know yeah yeah but it's a diff- different but, energy for sure yeah and i just I, you know it's just you know, I want to run the fast times and I, and I want to be able to compete at the world championships and I want to be able to do this and I want to be able to represent a country, um, at the world level. But, you know, if that doesn't happen, that that's okay. You know, I'm still able to travel around and go run and go compete against some elite level guys and pick their brains. Um, because it not only does it allow me to get my competitive picks in, but it allows me to learn from these people like yourself. Mm-hmm. and some of these other people that I've met so that when I do start my own ventures in coaching, you know, I know what, I know what the heck I'm talking about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, there's a lot of different aspects of it. Yeah. And for those that don't know, Caleb was the first ever athlete I coached online. So two years ago he came in, he messaged me on Instagram and reached out to me. And I was like, you know, like, would you want to, me to help you out with coaching a little bit and he's like yeah sure you know like let's play around with it um and this was in the middle of outdoor season in 2017 you're kind of on your comeback trail you, you weren't really happy with your previous program i remember that first meet you ran a local meet in lincoln nebraska in that area and you ran like i want to say like 11 3 or 11 4 um mm-hmm. but how i knew that you were committed to your craft was with no hesitation, you asked what meets I was going to. And I sent you the meets that I was going to in Florida. And within three weeks after that meet, a lot of people could have said, on that comeback trail said, you know what, I'm giving it up or I'm just going to sit here and train. You said, no, I'm going to fly down to Florida. You flew down to Tampa, continue to run. I think you went, you hit sub 11 there. I think you went 1096 or something. So you cut off mm-hmm. four tenths. And then all of a sudden you said, where are you going next? And you came back <laughs> to Florida with me two weeks later in Orlando. And like, these aren't just random meets in Florida. Like we're racing against, you know, Justin Gatlin, Tyson Gay, you know, the top Americans, you know, in sprint history. So this was a guy, when I coach, I get across a lot of uh, post-collegiates that, you know, will message me in there. It's all happy talk. You know, it's, I want to do this. I want to do that. Caleb just said, I'm going to do it. And he went after it. And that's, that's why he's such a pleasure to coach because I know he's going to follow through with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so as we lead into this next question here, I mean, we've touched on a variety of topics here and it's obvious you have a variety of things going on. So is there anything that you do to maximize time? I mean, do you, do you plan? What, what do you do to maximize time? My biggest thing is maximizing time. Like I, I don't want to feel 
overwhelmed and too busy. So I don't, what, what I do to maximize my time is make sure that like every single day, you know, I can be pretty laid back, but every single day I want to lay out exactly what I want to do, set the goals for each day. And I don't, I don't, I don't usually do a, a plan by week. Every night I go through me and my wife will sit down and be like, all right, what do we need to get done tomorrow? You know, obviously this is a day by day thing. Now, if I want to, now, if I want, if I got something planned like this meet coming up that I'm competing in here in a month, then I'll plan stuff out, you know, a month in advance. But I try not to let anything that doesn't involve what I got going on obviously make any noise and interrupt what I want to do or want to get accomplished. Like, I know recently it's been kind of tough because, you know, I had that wedding going on. So I had a lot of wedding stuff going on and um that kind of interrupted training and all that stuff but my biggest thing is having a plan of action that'll allow you to accomplish even if you don't accomplish it just having a plan to do something no matter what it is whether it's you know today i want to get you know in my training session today i want to make sure i want to hit sub one seconds and 10 meter flies you know how do i want to get there and how do i want to get that accomplished um, if it's, you know, work, you know, I want to get to work, you know, I want to get to work on time, something simple as that, you know, some people have a hard time getting to work on time. Yeah. Get, just, just setting, maximizing time for me is setting, setting tiny little goals for yourself every single day that, you know, you can accomplish, uh, because if you accomplish those goals, then you can feel good about yourself and you can be like, okay, you know what? Um, I feel good about what I did today. Now let's go and let's tear it up and let's go do it again tomorrow. Um, and a, a lot of times, and I've, I've heard a lot of people thinking, you know, oh, the more I get done, the more I get done, you know, the better my time is served. Well, in my opinion, I don't really think, I don't really think that's, that's true. You know, you know, if I can get two tiny little things done, um, like say, like today, like today, I'm going to go mow the lawn, you know, <laughs> It's going to take me, what, an hour? You know, I could feel good about that. I don't have to have my whole entire day filled up, you know, yeah. in order for it, for it to be, you know, a good day. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, if I could get one to two tiny little things towards my athletic goals done, you know, that's a good day. Like, if I can go and I can um, make sure that I'm getting my, my block start you know, technique is coming out just fine. Like if I'm able to, you know, work on my, uh, you know, work on my jumping, stuff like that, work on, you know, my strength, tiny little things like that. If I can get two or three things done or accomplished and feel good about that, then my day is pretty, pretty well satisfied. Yeah, absolutely. You know, cause like when we look at our training, when I'm writing your training program, um, I don't want to say you're the most difficult and I don't want to say you're the most, the easiest, because if somebody would look at your program from the outside, they'd be like, might be like, that's it, you know, type thing. But we got to realize we're training to create adaptation, not fatigue. And I think a lot of programs out there, especially even with high school athletes, you know, like they're training, they're throwing so many variables at once and they're trying to get density and they're trying to create fatigue in these programs. So workouts turn into like, two hour grinders, you know, six days a week, you know, we look at your program, you might be sprinting just twice a week and we're getting in, we're getting out, you know, we're making sure you're 
you know, it's like an hour 15 and you're getting out of there. So you can still accomplish the other things that you have to do. Um, you know, cause we, we could go crazy density on all this stuff, but we don't need to, you know, and we've maximized our time. I mean, you, when we did that type of program, we kind of microdosed throughout the week and you went out and you had your best year ever over 60 meters and you're, you're mm-hmm. cutting off, you know, like 0.15, um, off your PR and everything. So well, now, I think, yeah, I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing with that is like, like when you're, when you're post collegiate and you're, and you're working 40 hours a week, you know, and you're doing this and you're, and you got all your extracurricular stuff, especially with what you do, Seth, it's, you can't go out and just grind on the yeah. track every day. It's not, people think that, oh, you know, if I'm not going and putting two, three hours and killing myself every single day training, then that's not a good workout. Well, that's not true. You know, mm-hmm. we can go and put 45 minutes in at the gym quick and easy and be done. And we can feel good about that because we know that what we're doing in the gym is, is helping, helping us towards what we want to accomplish on the track. Right. And that can go towards anything, wrestling, basketball, football, anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, uh, if, the, if there's one thing that I want to get across to any athlete that's listening is you don't need to go kill yourself every single day to get better. And I'm sure you preach that to all your yeah. athletes too. So, yeah. so yeah, because you can't, you can't, you can't do that because if, if, if you're like me, I mean, if you're like me, I, I would have been done a long time ago. Cause there's no way I'd be able to, my body wouldn't be able to afford a 40 hour work week and then come in and go pound myself for two and a half hours on the track in the weight room. Yeah. It's just, it's not good for your well being. Obviously, it's not good for your body, and you'll get burnt out super, super quick. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, like, I get athletes coming in. They're multi-sport. You know, I, I get athletes coming in. They're entering high school, and they're playing five different sports, you know, summer AAU, traveling teams, you name it. Then, plus, they have their school obligations for open gyms, their weight program. They come to me in the evenings, and it's like, oh, yeah, I had four different things today. Tomorrow, I got six different things. And I'm looking at I'm like, oh, geez. Okay. So that makes me go meat and potatoes. You know, what, what are four exercises that we can hit that, you know, accomplish what we need to accomplish? And they still get crazy results because at the end of the day, athletes are smart, they're intuitive, and they understand what program they're doing, you know? So like when you tailor it towards that athlete and it's not just one size fits all, I think they understand that it's not a cookie cutter program and that will help them create buy-in and also create the results. Uh, so now with your health and human performance background, um, young athletes seem to struggle a lot of times with like nutrition. Um, what are some simple tips that you would give on nutrition for um, young high school, junior high athletes? Oh gosh, making the right choices. That's probably the biggest thing, especially when you're at school. Sometimes there isn't the healthiest of choices because sometimes the only option you have is what they're serving at school right but in my opinion from what i learned because i grew up wrestling losing weight you know cutting stuff when i was in junior high all the way up to high school the biggest thing you can do nutrition wise is start choosing the right things because it kind of the more you start doing that the more it kind of snowballs into more and more good choices like maybe for lunch I should have that chicken and rice instead of that 
you know, fried pizza rolls or whatever they might have serving at the school lunch, you know, just starting, just making that first good choice and then just consciously thinking, okay, maybe I should do this instead is the first thing they can do in uh, becoming and starting a more healthy lifestyle because even, I mean, obviously we all kind of falter from that. We all have our, our cravings that we want when we're training and we're losing all, losing all that sweat and we want to have this, we want to have that. But if you can subconsciously in your mind start thinking, I don't need this. I, what, what does, instead of what do I want, they need to start thinking, what do I need? You know, that was the biggest thing for me, um, especially in high school. Cause man, I love, I love my Mac and cheese. I love my pizza and I love my Mountain Dew, but I got to think, well, is this actually going to help me? There's a time and a place for it. Like in the off season when you're not really training for a whole lot of stuff or, you know, when you're on a honeymoon and you're out laying by the pool, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, just it, the biggest thing is, I'll say it again, you have to start thinking differently about it. And I know it seems simple, but it is super important. Like if, if, I mean, Seth, you know, this better than anybody. If you can think what, instead, instead of thinking, how is it, what, what do I want? You need to think, what do I need? And if you can start asking yourself that question, you'll start making better choices. And, uh, that'll just lead the, and then if you start asking those questions then you start, okay, well, you start doing more research on what's going to help you, you know, then you be start become more of a student, student of the game, really, you know, and then, then you become people like me and you, what we're ta- talking about, you know, what, what do athletes need, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just, just making sure they have the right mindset of it because the mindset is everything because that's what the biggest thing, you know, when, when you do make that bad choice, it's not because it's, it's not because, you know, <laughs> it's a habit. It's just because, you know, you think, Oh, well, this is what I want. You know, that's, I, I want this pizza pizza right now. Well, well, maybe you don't, you ask yourself what, what, what you ever ask yourself what you need. Well, no. Just yeah. People start asking those questions. You'll be good to go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because there, there's a multitude of factors that go into being a high level athlete, whether you're Junior high, high school, collegiate, post-collegiate, pro, whatever you uh, level you're at, you know, you have to have a certain mentality, a certain physical um, development. Um, so what are your top three that you try to teach others for success at a high level, whether that's mental, physical, spiritual, what, what are your top three factors that go into it? Uh, you have to be coachable because I'll be at every single level. There's going to be somebody who's going to help you to get along the way. You have to be coachable. You have to be willing to. Um, I mean, when you when you think of coachable, you got to think of like, okay, well, some of these athletes, from what I've seen, especially in this area, some athletes think they're better than their coaches, you know, but they don't really know them. Sometimes they don't really know. And I, I was I was like that, you know, when I was wrestling in high school, I had a big head. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I always told myself, you know, you know, what, what, what does this guy know? You know, what, what does this guy really, really know? You know, I could, I can beat this dude in a wrestling match. So why would I listen to him? Right. Or I can beat this dude in a race. So why should I listen to him? 
Well, it's it's on the contrary. Most of the time, when your coaches are quite a bit older than you guys, so <laughs> more yeah. than likely you're gonna be more athletic than them. But you don't know what they've been through. You don't know what's going on in their mind. Be coachable. The biggest thing that helped me when I was making the switch from wrestling to track is I had to open my ears and I had to listen and I had to be able to put my ego away because I wasn't the greatest sprinter when I first started. I was terrible. You know, um, I had coaches that gave up on me, you know, because I was so terrible. You know, I was, yeah. at, a co- I was at a collegiate program running 11 nines. It's not going to cut it. It wasn't, but you know, I opened my ears. I, I reached out to people um, and I made it work and I just set myself in a position to be the most coachable athlete that I could possibly be instead of being like, oh, well, why, why? instead of questioning it. If you, if you can buy in to a program or buy into a coach's philosophy, that's huge because then you guys can take that and just make it, take it a step even further, you know, into being successful. So being coachable. And then on top of that is consistency. You have to be consistent with every single thing you do, whether it's um, your recovery, making sure you stretch, whether it's your, your nutrition, um, your training, um, being consistent and working hard and, and doing the right things is going to allow you to um, obviously stack on the successes. You know, um, the biggest thing for me, obviously, I was in those three years, you know, I put in a lot and a lot and a lot of extra time, more time than probably some people would like to. And even I would like to. There's a lot of times where you're going to go to practice and you're not you're not going to want to go, you know, and that has something to do with being consistent and telling yourself, you know what, if I can do this, this, and this, you know, it, I'm going to, it's going to be okay in the long run. You know, I'm going to get to where I want to be. So being consistent. And the last thing is taking risks um, and not being afraid to fail. You know, I've failed so many times in this sport, more times than I've probably won. And um, those failures have, though they may have been a lot, the ones, the ones that I failed in have led me to the successes that I've had today, you know, breaking the school record in a hundred, breaking the school record in a 60, having a top 10 finish in my relays, you know, um, six time all conference in the G packs. It was, you know, all that stuff, you know, comes from taking risks and, jumping on a plane to Florida after only, you know, two weeks of training in 2017. Like those are the risks you got to take, you know, and just, just being like, you know what, I'm going to do this and whatever happens happens. You know, that's the, you know, if, if I, if I fail, then whatever, then you learn from it. Your, your biggest, your biggest wins come from stuff that you learn from when you lose, you know? And I, I really believe that. I know that sounds completely like, cliche because a lot of people talk about that when you're watching like tv and stuff but it really is true like when you when you fail and and you lose to somebody or if you you know something doesn't work practice wise ask questions learn be like okay well what 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 happened here that i can do to make it better the next time you know 
you know, why didn't I get a good start that last time? Why didn't I, why couldn't I make that shot? You know, why couldn't I make this tackle? And, you know, it's anything, you know, ask those questions and don't be afraid, you know, to look stupid, I guess, basically, you know, don't be, don't be afraid of what other people think, because if you do that, you'll limit yourself. You'll limit yourself as an athlete and you won't get to where you want to be, you know, just go do it. Go be yourself. Go do your thing. And if you fit, if you trip and fall, get back up, ask why you tripped and fell and tripped and fell and keep going forward and then don't fall again. And if you do, whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Awesome advice. Uh, So let's just wrap things up with a speed round that I like to do with all the guests on the podcast. Uh, What is a book that you would recommend for athletes to read? Okay. I got this one. So I actually have read one book and it has allowed me to, uh, at least as a post-collegiate, be super, super free and be able to do more into the athletics world. And that's Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. Okay. Being financially uh, flexible and free will allow you to do, especially, I mean, I'm talking more probably in the post-collegiate type areas, but as you kids, some of you that are in junior high, working your way up to high school, start reading books like this financially, because if you can get more educated on that, you guys will be able to do a lot more with your sport. So yeah, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover, probably my favorite book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then what is your goal for the off season? Off season. Well, I think the biggest thing I want to do is just, you know, train, work towards, work towards getting smaller goals achieved every single day. Sometimes I get, sometimes we can get involved in the bigger picture here. Like, yeah, I want to run this, you know, but what I'm, what I'm working for the most, and I already kind of touched on this a little bit is making small goals and achieving them every single day. Like, what do I want to achieve in practice today? Um, stuff like that. And then if I can achieve those tiny little goals, those little goals right there will help me achieve the bigger one that I can see a lot bigger than some of these smaller ones. You know, like I got in every single uh, room in my house, I have the time written down every single day that I want to hit. I'll go, I'll go and I'll look at that. And, uh, just to kind of help myself remind me of what I want to achieve every single day. You know, so if I want to hit a sub one second in the fly 10 today, I'll write that down, put it on my wall. That way when I wake up, I, I can look at that and be like, all right, that's what I need to do today. So just setting, setting smaller goals and achieving them instead of making it more of a big picture type thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I was actually looking up a book cause you mentioned Dave Ramsey and I le- read a lot of his stuff, but what I read, what my dad gave me when I was a teen was Rich Dad, Poor Dad for Teens. It's a book about, you know, financial um, advice for, for obviously teens. And it's never too early to start learning about that because unless you go to college and major in finance or business or anything like that, you probably won't learn much about it. Um, mm-hmm. So for young athletes, I recommend that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad for Teens. Uh, one last question. What is one athlete that you have looked up to or currently look up to that has really been a big influence for you? Um, my biggest, I have a couple. Um, 
one person that I've always looked up to um, is Jordan Burroughs. He's a five-time world Olympic champion for wrestling in the United States. Um, but obviously he's super successful in his athletic career, but he's an amazing father and he is a super huge advocate of Christ. You know, his faith is, is crazy. And that's one person that, um, it's just, when you look at him, you go, you know what, he's just doing all the right things. You know, he's a great person. He gives back to his community. Um, and he's, and he has faith. You know, that's him and just how how successful he is in, in athletics. You know, he, he's just as, as successful off the mat as he is on the mat, you know, being a father, having two kids, married, um, and his faith is just, it's, it's super inspiring to watch because, you know, I've seen him, you know, I've watched him my whole life through collegiate and then now where he's at now. And it's, he, he's one person that I really, really look up to. Um, another person is um, LeBron James, another person, basketball player. Everybody knows who LeBron James is. Um, and I don't think I need to explain why I like him. But more, I mean, yeah, he's a great basketball player. But when, when I look at my idols, you know, I look at, you know, who are the most successful people? Why are they the most successful? And, you know, what are they doing outside of their sport? You know, those who are, those are the people that I like to look up to because, you know, athletics, you know, you can only do athletics for so long, you know, yeah. you need to be able to um, be successful outside of the sport too. And sometimes if you're successful outside of the sport, it'll allow you to do the sport for a lot longer too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are, those are probably my two favorite athletes that, that I like to mirror myself for every single day. So, yeah, love it. So, uh, I think this was an awesome podcast. I think a lot of athletes, parents, coaches will get a lot of information from this. Uh, how can people reach out to you if they want to get a hold of you? Absolutely. So, um, my Instagram, uh, I get on Instagram, Twitter a lot. You can guys can check me out on my uh, Instagram feed. It's at cfrank100 meter. Um, you can email me cfranklin.sprints at gmail.com. Um, I'll have my, uh, I'm getting ready to, we didn't touch on this, but I'm getting ready to start a new track club out here in central Nebraska. So uh, we'll be doing a lot of online training and stuff too. So if you guys want to reach out to me for that, you guys can do that as well. You can shoot me an email. Um, and yeah. So a lot of my handles on my social media will be the same. So it'll be at cfrank100m. Um, so check me out on there. And uh, if you guys have questions, just feel free to reach out to me. I got my phone on me all the time, like everybody else in this world. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, Caleb, we thank you for having being on this podcast. Uh, yeah. For everybody that wants to take a listen to this, we'll be on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and eventually Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, you can reach out to our social media at Boom Athletics and our website, boom-athletics.com. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more podcasts. Thank you.